Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 89. And as always, if you want to listen to this one and our previous 88 episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a review and a rating and all of those good things. So we are a bit shorthanded today, but we shall fight on much like Juventus has the last couple of weeks so let me first bring in Sam Lepresti hello Sam I, th- I think if you call us shorthanded as compared to Juventus it's kind of an insult to them at this point <laughs> yeah if, if we were like you I guess in hindsight if we were as injured and shorthanded as Juventus would it might just be me here I was gonna, yeah, it would probably just be you just doing a solo, just, just solo. Talking to yeah, myself for an hour. The, the soliloquy of Danny for an, for an hour. And People on the blog get enough of me. They don't need me talking to myself for an hour. You just start like live tweeting, like, what should I talk about now? Yes, no. yes. Just, just having a, a Twitter, a, what is it? The Twitter spaces. Just me and nobody yes. else. We got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the type of knowledge you can communicate in 280 characters on Twitter. So, hey, That's that right. is, you know, I hear, I'm not on the Twitter space, but I Good hear for you. it is a fascinating place. Fascinating. Place. Fascinating is one way to describe it. Hell space is another. My old roommate is also a, a sports writer, and man, uh, he, he posted a Facebook memory a couple of weeks ago being like, 
I will never get a Twitter. It's for and and he's and he and he captioned it like pre-sports writer Josh was so cute with that. And I was like, yeah, and pre-sports writer Sam was equally naive. It was uh, weren't weren't we all? <laughs> indeed. So, indeed. So as uh as was the case last week, we've got uh, a couple of games to to talk about. And first off, we'll start with our takeaways from the week. So Chucks, you're first up. What you got? Yeah, and I'd alluded to it last episode, but I think I wanted to kind of explicitly say that I think we should, I mean, I think we do already, but just to kind of give some more appreciation to the Arturo Melo for uh, his well uptick in form and just pretty consistent performances. I think um, I'm, I'm honestly, I've become really appreciative of him just being in the side and just his role in the team. Um, I think especially after today's game. So we're recording on Sunday, uh, the day of the Spezia game. Um, you know, just looking at him and and him obviously just playing deeper in the pitch and almost kind of a regista position, but him playing deeper and just allowing Locatelli to play further up the pitch. And, you know, like I said, I think he's just, I think he's just played consistently well. He doesn't make ridiculous mistakes or anything. He keeps the ball circulating well. And even the whole criticism about him not playing uh, balls forward enough. I even think he's done quite well with that. I think he's, he tries to be proactive. I think he takes calculated risks. I think that's probably the best way to say it. He, you know, yeah, he'll not be like looking for the Hollywood pass all the time, but I see definitely the intent of him to play proactive, play progressively. And yeah, I think I just, you know, really, hey, you know, shout out to Artur. He's played well. And I think he just, you know, deserves some uh, appreciation. He circulates the ball with tiny circles. That is, I mean, all the circles they make, hey. they make the world go around. <laughs> he, he had a couple of those moves against Spezia. I was like, there's our boy. There's our boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for that pun, weren't you? That's <laughs> right. I was. So you set me up perfectly. Thank you. Put it on a penalty spot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sam, what you got? This was kind of my theme in my post-match in midweek, but man, sports are cruel, aren't they? Like, I almost started writing that my match recap for the Fiorentina game from the perspective of a Fiorentina fan, because that just like, I felt so hard for for Venuti in that moment, just because there was absolutely nothing he could have done, but watch that ball just trickle over the line. And for, for such a crazy, crazy day and this, you know, this molten hot crowd in Florence, going so absolutely nuts and for Fiorentina to lose the game that way it was just so incredibly like what did they do to deserve that karma <laughs> and it it you know it makes you think of a lot of and and there's so many different examples in so many other sports of something of you know similar you know it, it kind of put it home that it was just like man that is that sometimes sports can just punch you in all of the sensitive areas at the same time yeah and i i think it's uh maybe good that we we have uh some viola friends of ours most notably our our blog brethren over at viola nation who obviously were a little less oh enthusiastic about how juventus got their goal midweek in the first leg of the copa so i mean it's you know, it from a Juventus situation, obviously it's two wins, two different kinds of wins in the sense of when the goals were scored. But this week has definitely been about Juventus 
honestly, from my point of view, just gritting their teeth and, and trying to get through it much like the last few weeks have been mainly because it's an injury situation where they are just absolutely gutted depth wise. And you, you, you see it, especially against Spezia where the only two senior squad outfield players are Moise Keen and a Federico Bernadeschi who is just back from injury. So this team is very much uh, tired. I would assume knowing how often they've been playing over the last four to four or five weeks. And they're really, I mean, you could say it beforehand the last four or five months, but especially lately, style points don't really mean anything for this team right now. They're honestly just trying to get the wins however they can. And, you know, if it's an own goal <laughs> one day in the dying minutes of stoppage time and then a, a, a mistake off a failed pass from the opposing goalkeeper the next game, that gets your only goal. Hey, that's that's how it's going to come. So I guess we'll... We'll kind of expand on our takeaways from the week and just, you know, lay out some thoughts here on just kind of the the week that was and how Juventus obviously got an upper hand in the Copa heading into the the second leg that feels like it's about two years from now and then was able to get a little bit firmer footing in fourth place as the uh, madness above them kind of continues to uh, continues to go on. Yeah, it's uh, th- this this certainly was a, a just grit your teeth and hold type of a moment as it has been really for the, I mean, you know, almost since the Villarreal game, when this injury crisis really started hitting critical mass, we were discussing this before we hit record today. I was disappointed in the way the Spezia game went turned out, not because I thought there was anything that Allegri or anybody like that could have done differently. Cause there wasn't because the only had two outfield players to change the, the thing. And he ended up having to do it to completely change the shape of the team after Pellegrini got that yellow card. Cause I don't think that was going to be the move otherwise, but I would have liked to see in the first half, I would have loved to see Juve just turn the screw and really get it over with because Spezia came out of the, out of the gate. So naive. They were making mistakes all over the place. They weren't pressing at all. I remember about halfway through the through the first half making putting that into my notes. The book on this team right now has to be press the crap out of them in midfield. And Spezia in defense were just standing there and letting the ball come at them. And I just kept on thinking to myself, why aren't you picking up the tempo? Why aren't you getting, you know, you you could have had that game put away by the half. And then it wouldn't really have mattered, you know about, you know, trying to gut it out. And then you could also maybe have thrown on some of the, some of the U23 kids and let them have 20, 25 minutes and let a couple people rest. But the attitude was, you know, get the goal and, and hold. And fortunately it was against a team like Spezia that didn't really have the, the wherewithal to equalize, even though there were times where against a better team, you would have felt like it was coming. I was never resigned to, oh man, they're going to score. I did think they could score as that second half progressed, but I was never like, oh God, this is going to be it. But yeah, it's just, and, and, and it makes me wonder why that's not something that's been going on more is if I'm Allegri, if there's one tactical decision I would make here, it is to go for broke early because that's when you probably have your, you know, your best legs under you 
even though you are completely, you know, the, the, I mean, these guys have to be t- I mean, Dusan Vlavic hasn't taken a game off since he got to Juventus. But if you, especially against these lower tier teams like Spezia, Empoli, you go for broke early, get two or three goals early on, and it makes the game so much easier to manage late. And if I was Allegri, that's the one change that I would be making to the way I approach this. I mean, right now, all you have to do is just wait until more guys get back. Thank goodness there's no midweek game this week. It can actually have yes. some time to yes. rest a little bit. <laughs> and I, you know, hopefully Max just gives them that time to kind of just like, you know, ease up on the training sessions a little bit. Don't go too crazy and just let guys have the have a have a bit of a breather before you get into yet another really hectic week. Uh, with Villarreal coming coming back, but just you know, you you're right, Danny. You just have to wait until the team can get healthy before you can look at anything other than, good God, hold on for dear life. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to figure out as well just at this moment in time with Juve, whether the performances and just the kind of general uh, pattern of matches is due to injuries due to, well, I should say due to fatigue caused by injuries, which means that we're basically playing the same 11, 12, 13 players every game. You know, it's hard you to gotta think it, you gotta think it plays some role. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. the very least. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's hard to separate slash understand that variable from just, generally how Juve's played because I mean obviously this is Allegri's MO but I feel anyway that it's been a little more extreme he's been he's been even more conservative than what we know him as based on this first uh was it five yeah five years uh with the club yeah I mean this feels even even more risk averse than what we're used to and and like you said Sam I mean in general I think if you're going to play this kind of style of like, okay, we just want one or two goals and then we just set up shop and or close up shop rather. And just, that'll be that. Um, if you're going to do that, fair, I think a pretty crucial determinant of success in such a strategy is that first 30, 45, 50 minutes you go, you know, hard, like, you know, you really go full on, like just bring that intensity, get that goal or two. And then well, preferably two really. And that's, of course, I mean, that's something we've, complain about ad nauseum just that whole you know we saw the game uh, Villarreal getting that one goal early too early perhaps and then <laughs> really setting up like closing up shop way too much I mean just like 
going far too defensively. And I get it. Okay, you get a goal early on and you just kind of want to control the game, slow the pace of the game. But I mean, you can take that to the extreme. I mean, you really, really can. And, and that becomes risk. The irony is the risk averseness. What is a really risk averse strategy of just, okay, once you score a goal, just really dropping all the way deep is ironically far riskier than going for it more because again, we saw it against Villarreal where it was just too much. I mean, sustaining that type of pressure and withholding that type of pressure for frankly, 90 minutes is just too much. You know, you can't, you can't put that type of demand on your, uh, on your team. So yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. And, you know, I personally wonder what Max truly thinks of this. I mean, again, we know what his strategy is. He knows what his strategy, he knows this is the way it's going to be, but I mean, I wonder, even he's got to ask like, okay, is this sustainable (laughs) a, and is, is this really the optimal way? Like, like for him, that's one thing I want to ask him. Like, is if I ever got the chance, which I won't, but is this Chuck really showing up on press row next week? <laughs> hey man, I mean, Hey, you might, you might know some people. I mean, get into that mixed zone. You never know. Get into that mixed zone. You never know who you meet, who knows somebody who knows somebody. I mean, you never know. Um, that's one thing I've learned from doing real estate. It's like your network is your net worth. Ah. <laughs> yes, I said it. Um, but um, yeah, I'd really want to know just from him, like, okay, is this the way you has been playing, you know, last two, three, four games, is this your ideal Juve? You know, is this your ideal style or just the best way you would like to see Juve play? Like, surely not, you know, like, I mean, he, even he's got like, he's he seems like a pretty just pragmatic and just, like fair guy, like surely even he must know that this is not the way you would, we would want to play till the end of the season. But it's so far, it's getting results. I mean, we're in it for the Champions League. We're remarkably, remarkably, we're sort of back into the title race, which I mean, whispered quietly, whispered, whispered quietly, whispered, you know. Um, I mean, you know, I don't consider it really, but based on how poorly the season was going at the start, the fact that we're even remotely close to the title race within single digits of the title race is bloody extraordinary. <laughs> and to consider just, I mean, the amount of games we just blatantly screwed up. I mean, the Udinese game and like, you know, other games that, I mean, we could have had probably, you know, three or four points more and then we would have like, at least. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, wow, we've been really quite poor this season and yet somehow we're some somewhat ish in a title race. That's, I mean, that's pretty extraordinary in itself, but yeah, I mean, just in terms of style of play, you know, I'm pretty sympathetic towards Allegri and I, I, I mean, you can call me an apologist for him, but um, yeah, even, even I realize now that just the, the, the way of playing, I mean, against Spezia, Spe- Spezia especially was just, you know, <clears throat> first half versus second half was just, I don't know how he didn't concede a goal on that one. And it was, it was, it was basically not, you know, it was asking for it. And against uh, uh, it was night. It was night and day, and the difference was that press. As soon as Spezia started pressing, Juventus disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's uh, uh, people in the comment section say that you know frequently as well. I know. Um, I think Fefu mentions that quite frequently as well, and you know, rightly so. <laughs> um, it seems to be very much the truth. Um, yeah. Well, we we've been saying it for years, right? You want to rattle Juventus, especially early on in a game. You press them. I mean, look what Fiorentina did. They they came out like gangbusters, yeah. and they dominated from 
pretty much start to finish. And I don't think, you know, to mention Viola Nation for the second time in less than 20 minutes, they're not sounding like homers when they said Fiorentina should have won. Yeah, they should have with the way they played. Yeah, they should have. But you get the the free goal and it's like, hey, (laughs) we'll take it. Fiorentina dominated the game, thoroughly dominated the game. But at the same time, you can probably count the number of genuine sphincter clenching scoring chances that Fiorentina had on maybe three fingers. Yeah. Um, I mean, two of them with Icone and that's the catch with all this, right? Is that, yeah. Is that Fiorentina can dominate possession and Villarreal can dominate possession. But when you, I guess, break it down a little bit further, it's like, okay, well, how many real scoring, like legitimate scoring chances did they have? And that that's that's the catch. It's like you know, Spezia had what one or two in that second half, even though they were the better side. And and even then, those one or two were roughly half chance. I mean, no, okay, the first one, the header by Jassy, really should be. That. I mean, that's an open. That's a a free header and an open goal, and he headed it right at Woj. Yeah, I'm getting in in Tech's head for a second here. I bet he is shocked that that was that easy of a save. Yeah. The second one was a, a really tight angle and, and tech did a good job at it. It was, it, I mean, it wasn't an easy save by any means, but it was also a, it was also not the greatest of positions to shoot from, but yeah, those are the only two. And in the Fiorentina game, it was, you know, the two shots by Icone, and I, I can't really think of another one. I mean, Piontek was, uh, was basically a non-factor as was Artur Cabral when, when he came on to replace him. The, the main strikers were pretty much out of it. Yeah, it was more so Fiorentina's pace on the wings that gave me heart yeah. palpitations. Yeah, and makes makes sense if, if, if what Allegri has been uh, said at the, in the pre-match press conference the other uh, yesterday about Matias de Chilio is true, and then he's been carrying some sort of a knee injury for several weeks now, it explains a little bit because de Chilio is usually not like Dechilio's been getting abused defensively, and say what you want about Dechilio as a as a footballer, he does not usually get abused like that when he is defending. Even against the pacier guys, he manages to hang with them pretty well. So to to have that revelation that he's been carrying an injury for for quite some time, um, and just kind of gritting it out to make sure that that he was available, that's that explains some. And it's just another injury, which yeah makes sense. And it does make you wonder, you know, the this was a, a friend of mine in our in the Juventus Empire State chat mentioned just like it is the it, the the traditional Italian way of training, and, and this not just talking about Allegri, but just talking about Italian coaching in general. The tradition has always been to work guys so hard in training, and is that necessarily the right? move anymore especially with the way that fixtures have been so congested the last the last two and a half years ever since lockdown it might be time to start reevaluating a little bit of the you know the iron man these iron man training sessions that you get in italy i always used to make fun of chelsea players specifically who you know had been a little bit perturbed let's say by when conte and sadi were both at chelsea about the training sessions and the methods and how, and 
and some of them talking about how how hard they would go and i was like well grow up you know just kind of like a man up moment you're you know british players who don't want to work but just the number of uh, the number of injuries that this club has had it you have to start thinking what can be done differently and there are other teams that they haven't necessarily had them all at the same time, but there are other teams that have had some serious, you know, issues with muscle with with injuries as well. You look at AC Milan. Milan, they can't keep a pair of center backs fit at the same time to save their lives right now. Neither can Juventus. No, I, the, the only difference with Juventus is that there are a lot more of them than just the center backs. So it's uh, th- this. This is one of those times where I think you might have to look inward and just just think to yourself, maybe we've got to change with the times a little bit and. Lighten up. Yeah. I mean, it was, I believe it was Patrice Evra who mentioned something like that when he first, or either it was either right after he came to Italy or it was after his first year with Juventus about just how yes, it was intense both the tactical hammering is and just how intense the, the training sessions are. And I mean, we didn't get a whole lot of information on how, like, say, Andrea Pirlo did his since he's kind mm-hmm. of viewed as a new school. In the all or nothing doc, which is surprising, I was going to say, which is surprising in the in the all or nothing that you didn't get that sense. Yeah, but I mean, we definitely got you know kind of more of an analytical view of just kind of how Pirlo approaches the way he prepares his team each week, rather than kind of just you know probably Allegri standing in the middle of the field and just yelling at people for an hour or two. Well, you know, the the strange thing here as well is that. You know, you referenced the the lockdown and kind of the post lockdown period. Kind of the strange thing there is that we got through the lockout, uh, the post lockdown period, pretty well in terms of injuries. Um, I don't remember us having too many until Paulo Dybala popped his hamstring, and then we have, and then he's never been the same since, and he's never been able to 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 string together some healthy. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking more just about a quantity of like different players being injured. Yeah, I mean, Dybala, of course, that's been a bizarre case. The injury. In terms of the volume of injuries, it hasn't been like this since, I mean, what, at least Allegri's first tenure, right? I mean, I can't remember it being like this under yeah. Pirlo, sorry. I mean, you're, I mean, that, that was, I think, one of the, the biggest point of contention today with a few people I interacted with on Twitter. It's like, look, almost half of the squad is hurt. So it's like, you know, you, you might need to adjust your, your expectations a little, a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and then freaking Bernardeschi, he, he comes back from injury, he gets carded, and now he's suspended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take that, Wings of Fetty. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, in fairness, at least in terms of the duration of injuries, I mean, as far as I know, okay, McKenney's going to miss the rest of the season. And of course, Chiesa is going to miss the rest of the season. But um, and yeah, Kai George. And those were two of the freak. And those are the yes, freak things. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that is true. So for the rest, I mean, the others, I mean, Chiellini, like I said, I'm basically used to Chiellini being injured for, you know, most of the season. So, um, but yeah, for the rest, I mean, I think Sandra's injury wasn't too bad either. And Zachariah was three weeks. So these players should. Three real important weeks. Yes. Though. Yeah. I mean, Yes. I mean, t- tell me that we could have used him instead of Rabio in midfield this week. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I know this is hindsight, but, you know, hell, we won. So, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean yeah. <laughs> boy, Chuck. Welcome I mean, aboard. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've become so the ends justified means at this point <laughs> that I'm really just focused on like, okay, can we just 
grind through yeah grind through this um until we get like to me zachariah and dibala back of course you know again kiezo's out for the rest of the season mckinney out as well but those are two big ones i'm like okay i really want those two back and yeah zachariah okay three weeks you know that yeah that definitely sucks and dibala i'm not really sure when he's going to be back frankly no i i don't think anybody does at this point you know because we i think we're expecting him back around this time. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, another, here comes the setback. And yeah. Allegri said in his post-match that he's hoping to have him back by either Sam or via real. Yeah. Hoping, hoping. And, and also, and it was also when, when you talk about that, the same, it was kind of the same for Bernadeschi where we were under the impression that he was almost back for about three weeks before he finally got back on the field today. Yeah. What else is going on that's extending these recovery times? J Medical has all the answers. Hey, oh yeah. <laughs> Before we get to Twitter questions, I just want to get one thing across. And Chuck's mentioned a little bit in his takeaway is that I think this first half against Spezia was really the first time, maybe since the game-changing subs against Roma, where we really saw the effect of Artur playing deep and Manuel Locatelli playing much more further up the field. And I, I think oh, it was yeah. one of the, I retweeted it on Twitter. One of the Gazetta reporters tweeted out Locatelli's heat map after the first half. And he was essentially playing as a number 10. He was that far up the field. And obviously Spezia, as we said, playing not so great in the first half probably contributed to that. But you saw it on Morata's goal. You saw it on a few other occasions, especially that one pass that Locatelli tried to chip over the top. This is what, Obviously, we've been we've been asking for for a few weeks now, but this was really kind of the first real extended, you know, forty five minutes where we saw okay, this is where Locatelli playing a much more advanced role can really work. And yes, it's only Spezia, but you would think the way that Arturo's playing and hopefully Locatelli getting a little more like he was early in the season, this could turn into some good things. Hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I think it was the best that we've seen Locatelli in, in quite some time, probably the best we've seen this calendar year out of him, with the exception of the Roma game. You know, he was he was being the kind of creative force in, in midfield up close to the opponent's box that we haven't had since Dybala ended up on the shelf. I, I really do think that it was, it was, like you said, finally what we were hoping to see, and it worked. And now Max has to keep on figuring out how to make it happen and make it work against the bigger teams. See if it, it, if it stays the same, because if you've got Locatelli playing that, those kind of passes that he was playing up in that forward area. And then especially if you get Dybala back for any significant length of time, then you have an attack that people could fear. The big question is who is next to them in midfield. Obviously, that's where you really want Zakaria to to be back very soon, and why you're why one laments that McKenny is going to be out for the rest of the year because both of them could do very very well in the third spot in that midfield, and to to be like you know the ball winner, destroyer, killer type, but to have Locatelli playing where and how he did today was really encouraging, and you know hopefully he'll be able to that combined with a little bit of rest this week. 
Uh, also, he'll probably have a more restful international break than some other guys. Because he's probably going to come off the bench for Italy during World Cup qualifying when you consider that it'll be Barella and Jorginho and Dybala. Uh, Dybala. Uh, he, they're, if they're only the Dybala si- could have been with Italy back they're then. The same, they're the same size. He probably has. Uh, Verratti. Heritage, really. <laughs> Verratti. <laughs> he does. Verratti and Dybala are like the same freaking size, man. It, it'll be like uh, Barella, Jorginho, and, and Verratti starting in midfield, I assume. Uh, so if Locatelli does come on, it'll it'll probably be as as a sub. You know that combined with rest, combined with playing where he's where he's best at, could really be a a, a key a key point to the rest of the season to making sure that that Juve stay in that top fourth position that they finally managed to consolidate with Atalanta, even with Atalanta's game in hand. Yeah, and I think just uh, again to kind of shout out uh, Artur again and uh, praise him for his form. I think it's also just shown to me kind of what type of balance you want in midfield um, because, okay, Artur is a, I guess you can call him a G-star at this point, just a passer, you know, really uh, picking up the, pop, the ball from the defense and keeping it circulating. <laughs> circulating. There <laughs> uh, he goes again. <laughs> I can't say that now anymore uh, without laughing. Um, yeah, keeping that ball. <laughs> I hope Hunter's listening to this one. I hope so. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Hunter. Um, and yeah, just keeping that ball moving through midfield and. Um, yeah, progressing that ball up the pitch, you know, and having that ability to pass the ball, like having that technical ability and that passing ability to really not put the burden of like creating that passing move uh, on, you know, Bonucci or on De Ligt and just kind of coming there, picking up the ball, me like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get the ball moving uh, further up the pitch. Um, having that there. And then, um, but yeah, again, not, not really through long balls. I mean, I, barely remember or barely can really think of Artur doing long passes. I don't think very infrequently does them, which, you know, is fine. I mean, that's his style of play and, you know, that's how he, you know, that's him. That's why Sadi wanted him. Yeah. 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 That's why Sadi wanted him two years ago. And, and it's interesting just to contrast that type of Gisa with like Pirlo, you know, like, I mean, Pirlo obviously brilliantly gifted at long passes and just having that very different style of being a Gisa. It's just interesting. I mean, you know, it shows that, in football, you just have so many different styles of playing the game. No one particular style is right, but the, there's just so many different interpretations of playing the game. But yeah, having Artur there and then another passer, really, Locatelli, further up the pitch. And it's just having that balance of like, okay, you have a kind of a, a person that's comfortable with the ball deeper in, uh, in pitch, person who's comfortable with passing and just with the ball again, slightly higher up the pitch, and then ideally as well, Dybala. So you have the, that those kind of layers of passing talent or like pa- those layers of creativity, like along the pitch, like deepest on the pitch, kind of halfway and then versus of the pitch. I think that's really the perfect balance you want in your midfield and, in, and just in the entire team. And then also with, you know, shame, of course, with McKinney being injured, that balance there of having that like runner, like, you know, that runner that just like, yeah, I mean, does the defensive dirty work, but then also just just yeah, just runs his lungs out really, you know, to, to, to be that extra man um, at both sides of the field, which I think Barella does uh, speaking of Italy, you know, Barella does that uh, for Italy. And, and that's also a team that has that balance in the midfield. You have Jorginho all the way deep, providing that passing creativity from deeper uh, in the pitch, uh, Verratti a little higher up the pitch. And then Barella is that runner that, you know, 
pops up as the extra man on both sides of the pitch. So I think that's really that balance you want in that in that midfield. And I think we can have it. As, and maybe Allegri was just trying to figure that out, how that works. But I think we really can have that with Artur, you know, deepest, Locatelli a bit further up, and then ideally a McKenney or eh, Zakaria maybe, Rabio. Uh, that, that third man is the, is the one I'm not sure who would that. I think really McKenney, obviously he's injured, but, you know, uh, besides McKenney, I'm not really sure who that would be, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, McKenney's the most offensive-minded of those because obviously he makes the runs forward so much, and he's just the best aerial threat of them all. So, right. uh, but I mean, you, you know, you, you, the, the way you're you, the way you're talking about it, Chucks, is like it, it's obviously giving you flashbacks to you know eight ten years ago when you had you know the Pirlo, the Vidal, the Marquisio, where you had three very distinct styles of midfield play. Uh-huh. And they just yeah. mesh together so well that it's like, okay, when you envision a three-man midfield, this is exactly what you want. Yep, absolutely, yeah. That, that Again, it's all about that balance and the complementary skills. Like, okay, one person can pass, one person can run, one person, yeah. And that's something that we haven't had in the team for such a long time because the way Fabio Paratici built this team for so long was just, you know, picking up a bunch of guys that were good on that were good in a vacuum but they all did the exact same thing like you look at the midfield from last year and you look at you know rabio bentancourt both did the exact you know they both played the exact same way they had the exact same game and when you put them out on the field together they kind of canceled each other out and now we're finally starting to see a little bit more of a of a look toward when it comes to the recruitment of where do these guys fit together with each other and obviously it's going to take a while longer to, to build that team back out of the hole that the roster that Paratici left this roster in, but it's, it's certainly starting off. Well, are we ready to go to some Twitter questions, gents? Slide on in. Throw them at us. All right. Well, first one here from at couch underscore 10. And by the way, if you guys have noticed that our podcast is sounding a little better the last few weeks is because Mr. Couch underscore 10 has been editing the podcast, not me. So Perhaps. obviously we appreciate Couch's work and we, we uh, hope it's a, uh, it's a longstanding uh, friendship with him since he's one of, he's been a loyal reader for years and now he's got a role on the blog in a way. So we appreciate Couch's work, but anyway, to finally get to the question, do you see Chiesa fitting into the system? Allegri is trying to push right now. Should we adapt our summer recruitment strategy based on the impending return of Chiesa and whatever formation would enable him to be at his best? I think he fits. I think especially the fact that a renewal with Dybala is looking less and less likely by the day means that you can afford to look at a, at a, at a scenario with where you, where you do exactly that. You kind of, you build the, you build the team around the, attacking axis of Vlaovic and Chiesa. How exactly you do that is another question. Obviously, you know, you've got Quadrado. He can he can play on that right wing for another couple of years, probably. But you do have to start thinking about the succession plan for that. Because, you know, Juan is he is getting up there. God love him. But yeah, I I absolutely think that Chiesa can fit into this. And it is more looking more and more likely that we're going to have to make that build just because it doesn't necessarily look like Paolo Dybala is going to be a Juventus player next year. Yeah, the only thing, I, only setup I can think of that would fit 
just in terms of the balance of the team, like I said, would, would be a 4-3-3, really with, again, with Artur, Locatelli, and McKenney in midfield, and well, Vladovic, of course, up top, and then Chiesa on one wing, and then uh, either Morata on one wing as well, or Dybala on the one wing, I don't know. That's, I don't mind. Yeah. I, I think that he could, I think that if you did that, like, Christmas tree type setup that Allegri seems to have uh, had going with, with Morata and Dybala, I think Chiesa can fit into that fine. Give him a little bit of a free reign. He'll probably hug one side or the other more because that he, he'll gravitate towards that side. But I th- absolutely think that if you give him that kind of, that little free area in a four three two one, I think he can absolutely play that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it, for me, it's all about just the defensive and offensive balance. I don't think you want to, I, I don't like the football manager type of, okay, let's just chug everybody on, <laughs> you know, chug all the strikers <laughs> on and just, you know, let them. We're not playing out. FIFA, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which really the only, only time I saw that work, I guess, was extraordinarily, I, I, I to this day, I'm baffled that he managed to w- make it work was uh, Carlo Ancelotti with uh, the first time he was at Real when he had, I think it was, Kroos, James, uh, Benzema, Ronaldo, and Isco, I think. Basically, like, <laughs> I mean, almost borderline attackers, like all of them attackers, attacking-minded. And he made it work. I mean, he was balanced. I was just I'm baffled. I can believe he made that work. But, yeah, I, that's generally not my preference. But, yeah. It gives me flashbacks to 2006 against Germany for Italy when uh, Marcello Lippi had what? Del Piero, Gelardino, Totti, and uh, is it? And Yaquinta. on the field for, for the very end. So, yeah. It's the exception, not the norm, let's say, for that to work. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Plus, there was, a, and, and one of the other midfielders was pretty attacking too. Was it, uh, was it, Perot, was it Perotta who was? Yeah. Uh, Simone? We're going, Pero, Pero six, was on we're going on Pero 16 Pero years now, so yeah. yeah. God, don't say, don't say. That. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, almost half my age. Yeah. yeah. Okay, youngster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since Sam brought him up, I was going to save this to the end to have a little bit of fun, but I will. We'll ask it now. From at DJ Abides, if you could only have Pogba or Dybala on this Juve team next year, who do you choose and why? Say probably. Ibala again, kind of, yeah, actually, this was completely unintentional that all my answers have linked so well together, but um, it just happens. You're to, welcome. Yeah, it just happened to all kind of flow perfectly <laughs> together. No, that's never happened before. But um, yeah, going back to what I said earlier, again, it's just the whole balance thing of like, you want that kind of passing ability, that passing ability slash creativity on every kind of section of the pitch, I guess. So again, our tour deepest, Look at Tilly a bit further up. I think Dybala completes that trident, I guess. Because then I think you have, yeah, again, you have creativity on all across the pitch so that there's not just that burden on one player to provide all the creativity. And if he's furthest down the pitch, well, then what do you do? You just press the hell out of him. And then, well, there you go. We're stuck in our side of the pitch for, you know, or stuck in our half uh, for, uh, yeah, the entire game. Um, so I think Dybala's would provide that and yeah Pogba Pogba is again a midfielder so yeah left central midfielder nah I think now with us having Sakaria having McKenny even Rabio I mean I think I guess we'd have to get rid of Rabio that's the only thing I can think of which 
Sure, I mean, oh, oh no. you know, okay, terrible. But I mean, you know, Lord knows Pogba's on Premier League wages. So, I mean, if we're already like, <laughs> if, if we're already getting all squeamish about paying uh, Dybala, I don't know. Eight million he's not he's not only on Premier League wages, he's a Mino Raiola client yeah, on yeah, Premier League wages. Yeah. So if we're getting yeah. all squeamish about paying Dybala, I don't know, eight million or something, yeah, well then try and get uh, Dybala and Mulata. Or sorry, uh Pogba. And and uh, and another thing about Paul Pogba, and uh, this is another thing that's popped up in in the, the club WhatsApp chat that our club here has here in the city is Pogba's missed about as many games as Dybala has this last two years. Yeah, yeah. he hasn't been healthy. Yeah. He has not been healthy. And I mean, would he make the midfield better? Probably. But I do feel like if if I have to make that choice, I probably do go with Dybala, but it's a lesser of two evils type deal there, at least for the time being, just because I just don't, there's health questions for both of them. And for me with Pogba, there's, there's, I've always had an attitude question with him. I've always thought, even before he left Juventus, I've always thought that he, he cares a little bit more about being a famous footballer than he does a good one. And yeah, we'll, we'll see, but I'd have to say Dybala when faced with that scenario for a lot of the reasons Chuck ascribed. And also just because you're taking a crap shoot with health on either of them. So I guess Dybala will probably be a little bit less on the wage, on the wage side. Alrighty. We'll, wrap things up on this question from at Arthur Schmidt, the fourth in the first half against Spezia. There was a nice triangle at the back with Delict, Artur and Danilo getting things going. There seemed to be some nice interworking to go along with it. Wondered if you all noticed that and what are your thoughts to how it could do going forward? And this question is for Sam because Chuck's has been a responsible young fella and went to pick up a family member. Well, I don't remember quite seeing that particular triangle making that kind of an impression on me. You'd have to show me the tape in the words of Warner Wolf. Let's go to the videotape. Uh, but uh, there were certainly a lot more in, in just in general, there were a lot more really good team moves in that first half than we've seen in quite a while. And, you know, Danilo did help start a couple of them. And and Delict, it's also was very interesting to see both Delict and Danilo picking and choosing their moments to just bomb forward with the ball. And like we had said earlier on, Artur, you know, had has had had played a lot better. I do think that there were a couple of times where he gave the ball away a little too cheaply in in bad spots. And there was one time it was in the second half where Artur he he carried the ball forward on a counterattack, and he had. Rabio on his left, and he had, I, I think it was Quadrado on the right. He had two really good passing lanes to go to. He picked neither of them and kept running the ball forward and then tried to put a through ball into Vlavic into the box, except Vlavic hadn't started making a run yet. And it just wasted a really great opportunity. And that's just, you know, those are the kinds of things about it with Artur that I just, that just give me a little bit of agita still is just he's, he's making a lot of, of, of a positive impact these last couple of weeks, but he's still, there are still some things that he has to iron out because otherwise, especially the giveaways, you know, he hasn't done anything quite so catastrophic as he did last year in the Benevento game, but he's, he's come close. So he's got to, he's got to really rein that in. 
Yeah. I mean, we've been saying it ever since he arrived. There's still very much some de barcelona defying of him, just knowing how different, obviously, things are for him in Spain and now in Italy. So, But I think the, the last couple of games especially have been very encouraging that it's like, okay, finally, we're kind of seeing him. And I mean, who who knows? I mean, whether it was, I mean, we heard it back before the, the January transfer window saying, okay, you know, his agent's like this, you know, he's not playing in a spot he likes. He's not getting playing time. This is why he wants to leave. And who knows? Maybe it's, uh, you know, those rumors kind of woke him up a little bit and maybe Max had a talk with him. Who knows? We're not, we're obviously not in Torrance, but, uh, but yeah, the last few weeks have definitely woken him up and, Hopefully, like we said earlier, hopefully this is a sign, a sign of things to come because albeit it was against Spezia, the, the Artur Locotelli combo. And I mean, if you want to throw Rabio in there as well, but those two guys, especially Rabio's worked, uh, in there by default. right He's now. in there by default right now. Yes. Uh, those guys definitely play, played well off each other and um, yeah, and all that good stuff. So. On that note, we uh, thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. Uh, if you want to send them to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine, as always, follow us there, as well as on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. Same search tool on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, feel free to subscribe, give us a rating, and all of that good stuff. So for Sam, the lone one still here, Chucks and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 